0: Today's buzzword is glocalization. Say what, Bonnie? Did you make up that word? No, I did not. Glocalization is defined by Wikipedia as, and I quote, a portmanteau of globalization and localization. Anybody want to know what a portmanteau is? It's a combination of two words into a new word. Portmanteau luggage, for those of you, uh, I think, Francophiles, it is a piece of luggage with two compartments. There you go. So, does glocalization describe your company's current growth strategy, If yes, this dichotomy will challenge and test the patience and the coping skills of your HR team as they cope with a mobile workforce and multi-country payroll. Globalization we're talking about. If it hasn't come to be a reality for your company's HR system, your time will come not to worry. Either way, listen and learn as today's Game Changer experts speak. And Brad, now I'm hearing an echo. We have David Ledlow with us today. He says the world is global, and he defines it as a play on think globally, act locally. Today's talent is global, connected, and mobile. New categories of solutions are required to leverage that talent to out-innovate the competition. That's what it's all about. We'll be speaking with David in a moment. Marianne Langois says HR must think of itself as a function that drives the business forward. Uh, let's see where I am here. Instead of is a function that supports the business. Very, very important distinction. We'll be hearing a lot from Marianne in a few minutes, and she'll tell us why. This is. sounds like a brand-new role for HR. Penny Stoker is with us today calling from the U.K., from London, and she says, you cannot underestimate the power of a singular global payroll system. Now we're getting down to brass tacks. Penny will tell us why she says this. And Keith Strotman is with us, and he says today, Large global companies are realizing big benefits from centralizing payroll across boundaries. What are those benefits? Cost savings, compliance, data accuracy, reporting, and a lot more. We will pick Keith Strotman's brain in a few minutes and find out. So join us for the next hour, Going global. Mastering Multi-Country HR. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We are live today. The date is January 30th, 2013. Can somebody please tell me where the year is going so fast? So let's go back and do, I want to give you a little introduction to my guests, tell you who they are, and then we will go back into the monologue and we will talk to them about what they meant in their quotes. David Ludlow, Group Vice President of Solution Management at SAP. David focuses on the global human capital management Solution Strategy and Direction for SAP. Welcome, David, and how are you today?
2: I'm great, Bonnie. How are you? Great to be here.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. We're delighted you could join us. Let's introduce Marianne Langlois. Marianne is the Global Process Executive at Northgate-Orinso, known as NGA. She provides leadership and oversight for all global HRO processes within the outsourcing organization. Sounds like a big job. How are you today, Marianne?
3: Wonderful, Bonnie. Great to be here.
0: Delighted to have you on board, and we're also going to welcome Penny Stoker. She's the VP of People Services and Transformation with AstraZeneca, leading the implementation of a global transformation of HR, and she covers, let's see, outsourced HR services and technology for how many? 57,000 employees in 100 countries and 26 languages. That's a huge job. How are you, Penny Stoker? I'm doing great today from London, Bonnie. Wonderful. We'll be finding out what's in your cup when we do the second segment. Can't wait to hear if it's tea or coffee, and either one, we can't wait. Keith Stroutman is president of the North America region at Northgate-Orinso NGA, and a leading consultant, analyst, and thought leader in the HR services industry, which is why he's on the panel. Keith, welcome, and where are you calling from today?
4: I'm calling in from snowy Minneapolis today. Uh, thanks okay. for uh, thanks for having me on,
0: Bonnie. <laughs> Delighted. Well, we actually almost see a glimmer of, oh, sunshine behind those dark clouds here in New York. So let's hope your snow goes away and we get some sun here. So let's do a deep dive into the monologue. I'm looking for information on your quotes. What did you mean? So, David Ludlow, let's kick it off with you. You say the world is glocal. Today's talent is, and this is really the crux of our, our whole show today, talent is global, connected, and mobile. New categories of solutions are required to leverage that talent to out-innovate the competition, that's really it in a nutshell. Talk to me, David. What do you mean? When did you first start using the word glocal, and what does it mean to you?
2: Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. Um, So, again, glocal is a bit of a play on words uh, to combine this concept of globalization plus localization, um, and that any HR leader, um, and and in fact, uh, any company needs to consider that uh, when we talk about managing a workforce today um, and how the workforce is changing, we need to put both a glo- uh, global lens on it um, as well as a local lens. And, and let me explain a little bit about what I mean. Uh-huh. Um, if you look at today and, and how we're moving forward with good HR strategies, um, we believe that technology is really one of the key enablers of it implementing a, a good forward-thinking HR strategy. Yet at the same time, there's a lot of challenges there because technology is changing faster and faster uh, every day. Um, we see the introductions of all kinds of new capabilities um, driven by different technologies, um, things like mobile. You know, I, I have access anytime, anywhere. Um, I can do things that I never could do before. I mean, I mean, I think a great example is, you know, the ability to deposit a check. Um, if somebody takes, mm-hmm. uh, gives me a check these days, Well, you know, of course, you know, who actually does that so much anymore, but once in a while, I I take a picture of it and I upload it to a mobile app and and it it gets deposited to my account that way. I don't have to, you know, go down to the bank and, you know, go to a teller and everything else. You know, just one of the many examples of, of how things are changing. Uh, And and so this will open up, we believe, a lot of new uh, opportunities uh, for HR to really deliver uh, new capabilities to their workforces. Now at the same time, um, user expectations of technology are changing quite a bit as well. It used to be um, that we could just simply take you know, some kind of ERP or back-end HR system and shove it out to employees and say, okay, here, please try to figure out how to change your address or manage your bank account and that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. expectations of end users are changing um, and they're changing because of all this familiarity with consumer applications. So the new expectations of any typical end-user of business applications are much more oriented towards what they experience with consumer applications.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. A lot. David, I want to, I want to move to Marianne so we oh, can yeah, get yeah. everybody in on this segment, but you've brought up a lot of very good points. So we're going to be talking more deeper in the roundtable about this. Uh, shall we call it a bleeding over or the, the major influence of consumer apps on what people expect within the organization? Very good point. Thank you. Marianne Langois, you said HR must think of itself as a function that, here we go, drives the business forward. I think this is new. Maybe I'm not in that loop, Marianne. But it sounds to me like a huge mandate for what HR used to do, and you're saying what it needs to do, not just a support function, but driving the business. How do you see that, Marianne? Absolutely, Bonnie. I mean,
3: just a lot of the things that David was talking about, the technology and the processes have to be absorbed in the organization by the people. And a lot of this is about how we drive our people in the future to embrace change You look to HR for that. So it's about not just supporting what the business is doing, but getting in front of things. So I think HR needs to position itself in the front of the pack, aligned to the business, thinking of themselves as change agents. If this is where the business is going, what do we need to do strategically to think about the kinds of people that we need to bring into our organization? And setting the right expectations, providing the right training, recruiting the right people, making sure that compensation levels are aligned globally and locally. So it really ties into the global comment. But it's all about driving things on the front end instead of waiting for things to happen.
0: I'm going to ask you later in the show, and thank you, Marianne, about the DNA of the people who would be best recruited to be that HR team, to be that HR director. Who? What's their mindset, their education, their background? What's their readiness to be social and mobile and understand consumer apps and understand what we're talking about today, which is multi-country HR? I think that's a big job, and it's getting bigger by the day, so we'll cover that later, Marianne. Thank you. Penny Stoker, it's your turn, you say, and let's get down to the money, kiddo. You can't underestimate the power of a singular global payroll system. Penny, everyone wants to get paid, whether it's by check or whether it's by app or whether it's, it just appears miraculously by direct deposit. They want that money. I'm working. Pay me. Darn it. Talk to me, Penny. What is this about a singular global payroll system? Sounds complicated to me. Uh,
5: Well, it can be and it can be a little bit easier, Bonnie. Um, I think that, you know, we would naturally all look at it and say, of course, everyone wants to get paid. Um, The important part of that is then it matters to our employees. And what that means for us from an HR or a um, organizational perspective is if it matters, it means that the data is accurate. Um, And that accurate data in a global organization is worth uh, millions. Because now what I can do, because I have accurate data from worldwide um, employees, I can report on that data and I can use it for data-driven decision-making across the organization to be able to inform the kind of activity that Marianne is talking about. Um, That's the true power of a global payroll system. I don't have to keep it updated. My employees keep it updated because it matters to them, and I can use the data in a way that makes difference to my business.
0: Sounds collaborative, sounds participatory, sounds like a great idea. Is this a reality today, Penny, just briefly, because we have to get Keith in here, but are, are there companies you can tell us about that have a singular global payroll system that's functioning as beautifully as the model you just described to me?
5: I have it today across 68 countries where I'm doing payroll.
0: Okay, well, then that's why you're with us today. We want to know more, and that's a perfect lead-in to Keith Strotman. Keith says, today large global companies are realizing big benefits. That's what Penny's talking about, from centralizing payroll across boundaries. Keith wants to talk about cost savings, compliance, data accuracy, reporting, and more. What's the more in that? Keith, talk to me.
4: Well, I I think Penny stole some of the thunder. I I do think that uh, certainly access to better information access to accurate data and ultimately cost savings are, are major business drivers and and key outcomes that companies are looking for in a global payroll solution and, and frankly a global HR solution uh, quite, quite frankly and, and you know beyond some of the talent management functions that come with a with an HR solution but there's also as companies become more global and the, and the global performance of businesses becomes more and more important Companies are looking for ways to drive standardization in their global processes. They're looking to ensure they have adequate compliance across the globe. Uh, you know, it, Whether we like it or not, the, the regulatory environment is getting more and more complex all the time, and it's getting more and more difficult for companies to m- stay on top of all the compliance and regulatory that, uh, needs that the, that the governments are imposing upon them around the globe. And uh, you know going to a, a global solution helps them manage that. It, and then the, you know the integrated technology is also a benefit. Not only you know in the HR space where where managing your talent and is so important and understanding where your skills and capabilities are in the organization, but also in the technology area, or in the payroll area, uh, you know payroll is often one of the best sources for you know what is our actual headcount, How many people are we paying? What is the cost associated with that? Where's the most optimal uh, place for us to source labor for certain types of work? Mm -hmm. Um, Having a a global uh, payroll solution helps companies better manage, uh, you know, one of their largest spends and one of their most important spends, and that's around their people. And then finally, just, you know, again, back to the complexity, Uh, going to a global solution reduces the number of systems, the number of vendors, um, that, that a company has to manage. And let's face it, uh, companies don't want to spend a lot more on administration. So the more they can simplify administration through consolidating into, uh, you know, single global providers and solutions, the more it helps companies.
0: Thank you, Keith. Great overview, everyone. We're just about ready for our break, but I have a question for my listeners. I know you're all game changers out there. Have you gotten our free CIO playbook? It's about mobility. That's one of our underlying topics today. You can learn how mobility can transform your business. Go to our page on the Business Channel, click any banner, and go to the page with free offers with our compliments, of course. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Our topic today is going global. You can spell it G-L-O-C-A-L, mastering multiculturalism. Country HR. My guests are David Lelow Marianne Langlois, Penny Stoker, Keith Stratman, a brain trust, a veritable brain trust of great insights. If your company's big or small, doesn't matter. You're going to face this sooner or later. So stick around. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that app. Brad out.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to
0: And exactly right. I want to talk about coffee break time with my guests. I'm going to ask you all what's in your cup right now. Tell me your best story, whether it's coffee or tea or juice or water. I want to know. David Ledlow, what are you drinking today? So
2: what am I drinking today? Um, I have to say I'm a little bit of a traditionalist when it comes to coffee. Um, I like it uh, just uh, straight dripped, uh, not cappuccino, not latte, uh, but just black coffee. Uh, My coffee cup right now is actually empty because one of the joys of living on the west coast of the U.S. and working for a German company is I get up early, and my coffee is usually finished by about 7.30. Um, so uh, so that's what's in my cup, honey.
0: <laughs> Thank you. We're going to have to arrange to send you an official Game Changers mug, David. I'll discuss Absolutely. that with that you after the show. You've <laughs> got to have one. It even says SAP on it. Marion, my dear, what are you drinking today? Where are you calling from? Remind me. Sunny Florida. Ooh, so
3: lucky we're loving you. it. We're here. We're, I think we're going to be in the 80s today, so it's really unseasonably warm for us as well. But we love it. Um, and you see so me I'm turning a- green with
0: jealousy? <laughs> uh, yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. So Go like ahead, David.
3: I'm a traditionalist. I'm straight up coffee, but I'm having a little fun and festivity today because I've got my Mardi Gras cup because I am from Louisiana Ooh, and okay. a married a guy from Louisiana. That's where we get the Cajun French name, Langlois. And so we're celebrating the Super Bowl this weekend, and we go right into the Mardi Gras uh, festivities after that. So I'm having the traditional drink in a fun and festive
0: way. Wonderful. Sounds beautiful. Wish I were there to enjoy it with you. We are expecting sun here eventually in New York. Penny Stoker, you're in London, I believe. What's in that cup of yours today, Penny? Well, as
5: is fitting, being sitting in the middle of London, I have a proper cup of English tea, Uh Heaped with loose-leaf tea, uh, tea leaves from Waitrose and um, a bit of milk and a bit of sugar, quite tasty for an afternoon tea break in London.
0: Sounds lovely. Remind me, what time is it there right now, Penny? Uh, it is
5: just slightly after 4 o'clock in the afternoon.
0: Oh, it's high tea. I, we used to call it high tea, I think. Thank you. And Keith Stratman, remind me, where are you calling from and what's in your cup today, Keith?
4: Well, I am the exact opposite of Marianne. I am in cold, snowy Minneapolis today.
0: Right, right.
4: And uh, when, it, when I'm not on the road, which is not very frequently, I'm, I'm working out of my home office, which I am today, and, I, and I'm uh, loving my Keurig single cup. Coffee maker, and uh, this morning I happened to be drinking a cup of Newman's own organic,
0: Ooh,
4: uh, organic coffee. It's, it's not a bad I one if you, if you haven't tried that one.
0: I didn't know that he did. I'm waiting for Malcolm to tell me what he's drinking today. Malcolm, you can tweet me at... Anybody can tweet us right now. We're live. as January 30th, and let's see if we got a tweet from Malcolm. We're at hashtag SAP Radio. Oh, here we go. Uh, Malcolm says, I'm with David. My coffee cup is empty by 7 a.m., and he's an Equator Coffees fan, and Malcolm is based in Palo Alto. So there, David, you're in good company. So speaking of David, let's kick off the roundtable, David. You have a very telling point of view here. And this is the reason we're having this discussion, this topic today. You told me before the show, and I quote, having the right talent in the right place becomes mission critical to the agility businesses today need to grow. And if we didn't need to have talent all over the globe, we wouldn't be talking about multi-country HR. Right, David?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's correct. I mean, organizations today are, are, I think they're doing two things. I mean, number one, they're expanding in the global markets because that's where some of the new opportunity is, but also they're looking at, at you know, these emerging markets as talent supply as well, in um, that, you know, the traditional supply of skills um, and, you know, crucial contributions to the organization from people um, are not only going to come from headquarters based in Europe or, or North America or such, mm-hmm. um, but they're going to come from, you know, some of the emerging countries as well. And the ability to really excel um, and to be successful in emerging uh, countries is also to hire local talent because they understand the culture, they understand, you know, how things get done um, and really, uh, you know, um, uh, contribute to the overall success um, of any good, um, uh, you know, global strategy uh, for organizations to expand.
0: Okay, I want to turn to Marianne to add and expand on what David just said. Marianne, I understand from you that human, human capital expenses account for 40 to 60% of a company's expenditures, meaning HR departments manage a huge percentage of the entire organization's finances. So let's piggyback on what David was talking about. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of responsibility. That's a lot of payroll. Talk to me, Marianne. Have we gotten to the point where this is applicable, this figure of 40 to 60% only to the biggest enterprises today, or are we seeing this in the SME world too?
3: I think in the services business, you could see that number climb beyond 60%, right? And I think Mm -hmm. to what David was talking about, this is where um, people are always coming to HR. They're saying, let's cut your costs because you are holding a lot of the money of the company, a lot of the expenses. But then they have this additional responsibility to go out and make sure that we're hiring the right people in the right places at the right time for the jobs and that they fit into the DNA of the company. And that's what's mm-hmm. so critical. You talked earlier about how the role that HR plays in that, it's critical for that because they need to be focusing on what are the right talent to bring in? Do they have the right capabilities? Do they fit with the company culture? Um, Are they going to be able to help us grow in those regions? Do they have the right skill sets to do that? So it's quite a task for folks. But um, I think that this is where HR is really turning itself to be more strategic. When Penny was talking before about Mm -hmm. getting the right data and making data-driven decisions, when she's not having to spend her time gathering the data and she can take action on that right away, it's naturally going to position that HR team to be more strategic.
0: Thank you, Mary Ann. Penny, I, I want to bring you into this. And, and once we get Keith in this conversation, we could just open this wide open. But Penny, I want to talk to you from your point of view. Your vantage point is the VP of People Services and Transformation with AstraZeneca. Does HR drive the globalization process or does the business team, the CEO, the CIO, the CFO, are they the ones who say, hey, we need to have a, a subsidiary or an outpost or we need to have somebody in country X, Y, Z, and then HR is Says gulp, we better get them into the system right away. Is is HR ever the driver of that globalization, Penny?
5: Absolutely.
0: I, I think mm. it's more of a. It,
5: it's not only that, Bonnie. It's also as Marianne said, it's a shared accountability across the organization. We help drive, as a member of leadership and executive teams that need to deliver business results, right? And so it isn't necessarily that we're driving every decision, but we're certainly in the middle of it. Um, And we'll drive some of them if we take a look at it. And I'll give you a really good example in terms of looking at our um, talent. We took a view and said, you know what, we don't know enough about our people in those emerging markets that David talked about. We need to find out about them because, frankly, that's where some of our best talent is and we didn't know anything about them. And we drove some of those decision-making processes for the organization to identify who are those people and what are we going to do with them and where are we going to put them in the organization to drive the best benefit for our our, um, customers and our business shareholders.
0: Okay, good. And, Keith, I want you to join in here. Uh, Talk to me about now we've talked about going global. We've talked about the multi country burden on HR, and I'm going to read a comment from our, our avid listener and our fan David Slavinsky in a minute to all of you. He has a comment for everyone. Uh, Keith, talk to me about the role of cloud. I know we used to have a show called In the Cloud with Game Changers. Don't have it anymore, but we can certainly bring in cloud. Let's talk tech here, but not in the weeds, if you don't mind. Cloud technology, outsourcing, mobile platforms have helped to make a lot easier for organizations to go global or global, so to speak. Talk to me, Keith.
4: So you don't want to get into the technical of what's true SaaS and not true SaaS, huh?
0: (laughs) Not today, honey.
4: (laughs) David appreciates that that (laughs) comment. The HR technology community are always having that debate. Um, You know, I I think one of the things that has enabled globalization, uh, you know, to a large extent has been the advance of technology and certainly the cloud is the next evolution, if you will, or is the current evolution, if you will, of technology where uh cloud technologies and the speed with which we can innovate with cloud technologies for HR solutions is really um, helping companies to better manage their their employees on a on a global basis. So, you know, in the in the case of, of uh payroll for example, I know is one of the topics here today, just having systems that we can quickly configure uh, and quickly set up for for companies in various parts of the world that we can access those systems from anywhere. As, da- as David had mentioned, you know whether it's a mobile mobile application or a traditional PC or desktop, the, the cloud enables us to get access to those solutions much more easily than uh, than we could before, and it makes it easier to do business. But the cloud alone, uh, I think, is is um while it's an enabler there's still a lot of complexity associated with the solutions that that support HR so I th- we're seeing a lot of companies still rely on services wrapped around their cloud solutions to help the uh, you know help companies manage their uh, their technology solution and their service delivery for HR and payroll in their organization so, You know the technology is a big enabler, but it's it's not the answer by itself. We still need people. We still need good processes. We still need uh, good leadership, change management, things that are going to enable the business to best adopt the technology and get the most out of it, and uh, you know be able to ensure that the deployment of those uh, cloud technologies are effective. So it's not really an all or nothing, it's not, you know, Mm -hmm. unfortunately there's never a silver bullet and cloud isn't a silver bullet but it is certainly a big step forward in helping to enable the global, global local processes that we're talking about on this, on this show.
0: Good to know, Keith. I appreciate that. We're almost at our break, but I have a question for yeah. you. I asked uh, before, I think I asked Penny before, if HR ever takes the view of, hey, we need to go global, we need to uh, get more subsidiaries and more outposts and more offices, and we need to look at a worldview for the company, I'll ask you the similar question. Does HR ever drive the acquisition of cloud technology? Do the HR IT folks say, go knock on the door of the CIO and say, hey, you guys, hey, we need a cloud solution. We hear it's the best thing going going, get it for us so we can go global. Does that driver ever happen from HR, Keith?
4: Yeah, it, it sure does and that, and that is another key point that, that I failed to bring up, that uh, the cloud solutions often require a little bit less uh, IT involvement. It still requires IT involvement, but a little bit less than than the traditional uh, complex systems that we were used to uh, in the previous generation of technology. So. It it is enabling HR to to go out and procure more solutions on their own with less support from the IT community. And uh, so Mm -hmm. that is speeding the adoption of these solutions, I think. And, And frankly, I think a lot of IT organizations are excited about this because as I made the point earlier that administration is not an area where companies are often spending from a strategic standpoint. So it it frees up some of the resources and spend in IT to go focus on really the business operation system. If you're in the banking industry, your banking systems. If you're in the manufacturing Mm -hmm. industry, that you know the systems that you're using to optimize your manufacturing process. And HR can can get more of the solutions that they need via cloud solutions without as much IT involvement. So, so the answer is yes, Um, it, it is enabling HR to procure directly.
0: Thank you, Keith. Great point. You know what, David? I want to hold on because we're at the break. We can start with you. We're going to go to yeah, got to go to break. This is a reality of live radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're talking about multi-country. HR, the payroll, the whole experience. When we come back. We'll kick it off with David's comment. And then I want to turn the tables on my panel and talk about improving the employee experience and unifying the company culture as a function of HR. And then we'll talk about the DNA of who belongs at HR today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Don't even think of touching that app. We'll be right back. Brad out.
1: Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business.
0: And here we are, je, je pense donc je suis, and I have a comment for my panelists, from David Slavinsky, one of our avid SAP radio watchers on Twitter, he's at IBM, and David says, Bonnie, please tell your panelists that they make me appreciate the job I have. Their jobs sound really hard, so there you go. <laughs> we love David. We, we adore David. Thank you, David. I hope you're well, and if you want to tell us what you're drinking, we'll, I don't know what you're drinking, we'll be happy to talk about it. We were still having our had a little bit in the clouds before I hit the break mark. Had to take a break, but let's go back to clouds. David, you had a comment, David Ledlow. So tell, tell us your comment about cloud, and then we're going to move into discussing employee experience and unifying culture from the vantage point of HR. David, go.
2: Yeah, sure. So just to build a little bit on, on what you know, Keith was talking about, I, I think that the cloud really can't be underestimated in the importance to um, HR uh, today. In that, mm-hmm. you know, in the past, HR was kind of always handcuffed um, by a company's uh, you know ERP and, and you know software uh, strategy. Um, in that, you know, innovations came very late um, in the adoption cycle because HR was never really at the top of any IT priority list. Um, HR is a cost center. You know, face it. So you, you know, you. you saw innovations, you know, delivered by software vendors, adopted four or five years later. With the cloud, um, IT is out of that, uh, you know, adoption phase, and HR can uh, uh, not just innovate but adopt um, all these new things that their software vendors are providing to them. And and we see really a key evolution going on as well. It used to be that, you know, so much cloud buying was really driven primarily by HR and other lines of business in the organization. Um, And now we see IT really joining um, in that process. Um, helping you know the lines of business take the decision and then working very closely um, with these uh, you know areas in the organization to uh, to adopt cloud um, applications
0: and solutions Good point, thank you david very much and i 'd like to move over to what we call the employee experience. Everybody wants to have a good experience today. Penny, talk to me about i 've got to ask a really blunt question here, and you can all chime in, but let 's start with penny. How much does HR really care about the employee experience? I'm sorry, but big companies are a big company, and there's a big, vast gap between an individual employee and that HR department and communications and do I dare talk to them and what are they thinking of, what do they want from me, what do I want from them. So tell me about improving the employee experience and the critical one on our global conversation, Penny, unifying the culture. What does HR think? How do they care about it? What are they doing about it?
5: Yeah, Bonnie, I, I think the, the most critical thing is absolutely we care about the employee experience um, because, you know, it, it's one of those sayings that everybody talks about. The question is how much you really pay attention to it. Um, an engaged workforce actually does deliver better results. And so we, as well as the rest of the management leadership team, it's critically important to us. And one of the ways that we help support it from a HR perspective and help drive it is to make sure that we're consistent with that experience uh when you're talking about global local right we don't want our folks in china to feel disengaged from the folks in london and um, we don't want the folks in the us to feel disengaged from the folks in russia and one of the ways that we can build that connection is to have a consistent experience a consistent amount of information and the ability to reach out to those individuals in a consistent way um, that's one of the ways that you drive that culture from a global perspective and mm-hmm. make sure that everybody's having the same experience. And also, frankly, feeling that they have the ability to be successful in the organization no matter where they are. Because frankly, if you're, you know, I'll use us as an example, if you're sitting in London and you're in the heart of the um, um, headquarters building, uh, you should feel the same thing as the the person in China who wants to have the same experience and aspires to be the CEO someday. And, and we need to play a major part in making sure that that happens and driving that consistency and ability to succeed in the organization.
3: Hey, Bonnie, you, if I could Penny. just add one point yes. to Penny's comment also. Please I think do. one thing we have to also focus on, companies are focused on, is the ability to um, – attract employees in. So we talked a lot about the getting the mm-hmm. right employees. Well, today, young people coming into the workforce are expecting to work with high-touch applications, self-service, mobility. And so this is all things that feed, feed into the employee experience as well, adding on to the fact that, you know, as Penny is saying, we want to have a consistent experience. It has to be high-touch. And so HR systems in particular, people are expecting that. There is still a war for talent out there. And as David was talking about finding the right talent in the right place, is you're competing with lots of companies so companies want to be out there they want to be perceived to be with it cooled if you will right because that's what's going to attract mm-hmm. the talent that's coming up into the organizations in the town of the future
0: uh, I'm gonna throw this question yeah, out think, to the whole yeah go ahead who wants to talk who's that I, I,
5: was, I was just gonna say I completely penny? this is penny I completely agree mm-hmm. with Marianne that that ability to access the organization in any way, it ties back to what Keith and David were talking about with the cloud and the consumerization of applications. Um, We need to see the same thing in an organization. Um, You know, the big heavy ERPs of the past, frankly, with this generation aren't going to make it. Uh, And we need to be able to be flexible regardless of the device, regardless of how people need to interact with Mm -hmm. someone, no matter where they are, they need to be able to do that 24-7. I couldn't agree more
4: with where Marianne is.
0: Good, Keith, David, you want to chime in on this, or can I uh, move to something else? I want yeah, to talk well, about the. This, go ahead.
4: This is Keith. The only other thing yes. that I would would add and, and agree with all the points that, that my fellow panelists have talked about, but there's also the, the whole idea of beyond engagement. It's also just adoption. Uh, let's face it. Part of the goal of of some of these solutions is also to drive down costs. So things like mm-hmm. self service and and uh, you know pushing more. Uh, automation into processes is a key part of maintain, uh, maintaining the cost of of HR and payroll processes. And if the ex- user experience isn't engaging, isn't easy, isn't something that um, entices people to use it, employees to use it, you'll have a low level of adoption and you won't get your, your return on your investment. So adoption is another key part of the user experience to ensure that you're employees are, uh, are motivated to use the solutions.
0: Okay, I have a question for everyone. When did HR transform so that we've talked about HR should be a could be, can be, should be a business driver? HR has to have a unification of, of multiple cultures. HR has to help drive IT to bring in the best experiences, the best apps, even talk about cloud getting in those weeds. When did HR become this different being or this different organism, if you'll allow me to use that word? Anybody want to answer that? How, how recently is this transformation?
4: Again, this is Keith. I I think it's it's relatively new. I Mm -hmm. think HR has talked about you know the proverbial seat at the table for a long time. Yes. Uh, And business in general, I think in the last, I don't know, certainly since the recession, the big global recession started, but maybe even a little bit earlier than that, business has started to transform from a Heavy kind of asset and financial intensive view of the world. The companies that are are most successful are best at managing their financial assets. To a realization that companies that are successful are better at managing their human assets or people. Um, mm-hmm. Don't know if you want to call humans assets, but you, you get my point. Uh, the you know so this transformation I think has slowly been coming around for the last five years or so, but you know that the, the it coinciding with the introduction of some of the technology change around cloud and so forth has really, I think, invigorated HR to really step up and, and take a more uh, a more forceful leadership position. And I think we're getting HR leaders that are coming from the line of business more and more frequently that really want to, to be a, a part of what drives the success of the organization. And now they're getting some of the tools. That they think can help them do that. So, and I, I think it is a relatively new phenomenon, and I, mm-hmm. I think it's one that's well past its uh, past its, its due date. But, uh, but nonetheless, glad to see it happening.
0: I had a feeling. Do I, I, I want. Yeah, go ahead, Penny. Sorry, so I have a slightly
5: different perspective. Uh, Please. This is Penny again. Um, mm-hmm. Just just to be a bit more provocative, I actually think it's been a bit more dependent upon the capabilities of the folks in HR. So probably. Yeah. Um, send some people off the deep end here who have been in HR for a long time, um, because frankly I think it's about the, the role that you take as the HR professional, and if you've got to start with what is right from a business perspective, and if you start there and you have the capability to do it, you can drive as much as you want to in an organization, and frankly I don't think that's anything all that new if you've had the capability, um, okay. so just I a will- more provocative thought process. Yeah.
0: Well, I like that, and you've you've completely worked with me, Penny, on that to get me into my segue, which is let's talk about the DNA of not just who is in HR, who's leading the HR pack, the HR team, or what we used to call departments. I don't know if anybody even calls them that anymore. Let's talk about the DNA of, I will go out on the limb here, the perfect HR person first of all do they ever get a seat at the c-level table is there a c-level title for hr number two who should they be what's their training their background their age their gender excuse me is there a profile of the dna let me go right down the panel let's get everybody's input on this we have about three minutes left to the break we'll make it fast david ludlow the dna of the right person for leading hr today who are they quickly
2: so the, the successful profile I've seen is fundamentally somebody that understands the business, um, not just mm-hmm. HR, not just HR policies and procedures, but how HR can support the goals uh, of the organization um, and drive the success of the, org- the, of the organization forward.
0: Okay, good. P- Thank you. Penny, talk to me. Penny? Penny? I think it's
5: somebody with a, I'm going to go right with David. It's somebody with a business background. There absolutely is a C-level seat, um, but it's got to be somebody who understands the value chain of the organization that they're in, where and how this organization makes money, uh, how you put the right people in the right place to make that money and, um, you know, get to the point where you're doing the right things from a customer and shareholder and employee perspective. That's what the best HR people do.
0: Perfect. I,
3: Mary Ann. I'll add to that, yes. Penny. I think it's all of those things. I think you've got a critical thinker, a business-minded person. You've got a curious person, not afraid to ask why, why not, how, how not. And also they're flexible. I think agility is the middle name, right? It's just part of who they are. I can read yep. the, the data. I can see the tea leaves. I'm moving the organization in that direction. So a to
0: act. Keep- Great! Yeah. I like that. I like the agility word. Keith, we need to round this up with you before we go to break. Talk oh, to me. Pro- thanks. Profile.
4: Thanks. Mm-hmm. All very good points. And, and I've, I've had the opportunity to lead several fairly large organizations, and and really have been fortunate to work with some good HR leaders. And the best ones, to to Penny's point, often come with a strong business background. Many often come from have had responsibility in the line of business at some point in their career. So it's it's uh, someone who has a either the business mindset or the direct business line experience that understands the challenges associated with talent and how important talent plays in the success of the business. So that's been my personal experience. Is that the business mindset is key.
0: Thank you, Keith. And I'm just going to ask you, since you're my last one before break, is there a seat at the C-level table for the HR person yet? What are they called?
4: Yeah, his chief HR officer is, is becoming more and more frequent. I, I'm seeing it a lot, and uh, certainly in organizations that uh, – a couple organizations that I've worked in, it's been very much a seat at the table and a key uh, – very key seat at the table. I mean, uh, a lot of very successful CEOs that I've seen, the two most important people on their staff – Chief Financial Officer, Chief HR Officer. Good
0: to know. Good to know. You know what? We're going to take our break. When we come back, hey, you don't want to miss this one. It's time for the crystal ball, our last segment. I'm going to ask my guests to predict what Glocal HR will look like, sound like, feel like, taste like in 2018, five years from today, January 30th, 2018. We'll be right back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and this is Coffee Break with Game Changers. Don't even think of touching that app. Brad out. Here we are. And a quick reminder. We've been, we've been laughing during the break. I had to tell my guests, hold the laughter until after the show. Uh, a reminder for my game changer listeners. We've got a great CIO playbook for you. Learn the key ingredients of a successful enterprise mobility strategy. Why it can transform your business. Go to the business channel. Look for coffee break with game changers. Our little coffee cup logo, very distinctive. Got my name on there somewhere on the banner and click on any of the banners and it'll take you to a page with lots of free goodies and information. So, Crystal ball time. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, polish up that crystal ball. Let's start with David Ledlow from SAP. David, talk to me. What do you see for HR glocalization in the next five years? Can you see that far ahead?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll do my best. Um, okay. uh, I'm going to go back to something Penny said in the very beginning, and, and, and you know we haven't talked about it that much. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but it's so important uh, and that's the importance of data um, if we look at HR implementations and, and software implementation in general one of the things that a good software implementation does and especially a global software implementation is it generates a tremendous amount of data that we can then turn into information uh, analytics to not uh, not only provide guidance but actually make decisions as well um, and using a global HR platform um, with localized mm-hmm. processes enables us not to just gather that data but it enables together quality data, and quality data then can be turned into decisions with confidence. Um, so I think that this is going to be one of the key areas that HR is going to f- be focusing on and driving forward is the ability to take workforce data and help the organizations make better business decisions um, about where uh, wh- where employees can be best leveraged, um, how we're going to distribute our global workforces to take advantage of high skilled uh, organ- uh, you know, high skilled areas, uh, maybe low cost areas, and combine that into one overall workforce strategy. Again, to better drive the business forward. And and this goes back to a lot of things we've been saying, you know, especially in the last segment, is that mm-hmm. the the real success profile of HR going forward is going to be, you know, pre- using data to help organizations make better decisions because that's really what being, you know, part of the C level team is all about.
0: Perfect, thank you, David. Let's move to Marianne Langlois, Global Process Executive at Northgate Winslow. What's your prediction, Marianne? Can you go five years out for me?
3: I think in five years you're going to see systems that are um, taking that data that David just talked about and and making some artificial decisions there. I mean, In other words, artificial intelligence factored into self-service, knowing what the majority of the people are doing, so it's kind of putting that answer out there for you. So I think that that's what people want, and I think the message is, you know, if you want it, it becomes a need. And so I think we're going to see more and more intelligence built into the applications and helping that decision support process. So we're going to go fast past the point of analytics. We're going to get it. We're going to figure it out. We're going to figure out what people are deciding. We're going to help them get there faster. So that I definitely see. And I think that as it comes to things like global payroll, I think there's a straight-up learning curve right now because it's new. I think that's going to flatten dramatically because, again, information will be more readily available. More people are going to be doing it. We're going to feel more comfortable in our clothes in terms of doing it. And I think that it's just going to become very commonplace and it won't be as, uh, you know, there's going to be people out there that really understand it and know how to do it, and I think it's going to be harmonizing a lot of some of the things that create some complexity in that space today.
0: Thank you, Mary Great prediction. Let's turn to Penny Stoker, VP of People Services and Transformation with AstraZeneca. And you've got, my goodness, almost 60,000 employees, 100 countries, 26 languages. That's a Tower of Babel if I ever heard one or saw one. Penny, what's your viewpoint? Crystal ball five years from today. What will that look like from the HR seat at the table?
5: I think what you're going to see in HR 5 years from now is building on what both David and Marianne said. I think HR has the ability, capacity and pure capability to be the integrator for an organization as we move into a world that frankly has a lot of transactional activity automated whether that's automated from a decision-making perspective as Marianne says or from a production perspective with robotics and some of that type of stuff. We're in a world where, at this point in time, we really do have a group of knowledge workers working for us. And the HR function is going to be the function that's going to be able to integrate that, understand how best to use those resources and apply them for the good of the organization and the good of the individuals, bringing together all of the data sets, whether those are people Mm -hmm. data sets, financial data sets, um, operational data sets, to say this is how we need to drive this business.
0: Thank you, Penny Stoker. And let's round this out with Keith Stroutman, Keith is president for the North America region at northgate Arinzo, and a leading consultant in the HR services industry. A lot of knowledge there. Keith, bring your knowledge to bear. What's in your crystal ball five years from today for HR?
4: Yeah, well, I think I, I'm going to take it up just a, a level and mm-hmm. talk a little bit about what I think is going to happen in the business world. We're seeing a lot of the leading companies in the world are becoming a lot more decentralized they're more diverse in their leadership teams their leadership teams are spread throughout the world companies are really starting to take advantage of the skills talent abilities of people throughout the world i think you're going to see that trend continue to push down into more and more organizations so it won't just be the, the largest leading companies in the world It'll, over the next five years it's going to become more commonplace so this is going to have a you know i think a big impact on on HR and and successful HR organizations need to be able to help support the organization with that, that push towards a more decentralized, true global management of their business. So, you know, things like understanding, I think somebody pointed out before, it was Penny said, looking for the next CEO that might be somewhere, you know, a young worker in China. HR needs to help the organization, identify those people, make sure that we understand where our skills and talents are, and enable the business to be able to operate in this true global decentralized world that, that, uh, that I think many businesses are going to migrate
0: to. Thank you, Keith. I have a bonus question for my guests. We have four minutes left. I need about a minute and a half at the end for my predictions, which are what's coming up on the next two shows. A bunch of out thank yous. And by the way, we have to do a shout-out to Bonnie Tinder. Bonnie, you're listening. You're on the line. I know. Thank you. Couldn't have done this show and this panel without you. Hugs to you. Really, really big appreciation for all of your hard work to make this happen. So know that you are appreciated. Now, my question, tagging onto to the crystal ball, Companies listen to this show who are small. There are people who have a gleam in their eye about a company they think they've got the next big product and service to capture the prize, capture the brass ring. Should they be thinking about global HR systems when they put together their initial business plan and go looking for angels for their money? Let's start quickly with, uh, let's start with David Ledlow. Should a small company or an SME that's very, very local have a global viewpoint from the get-go? Let's make this uh, 15 seconds. Can see each. David Ledlow, go.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it goes back to a comment I made before. Is, uh, talent uh, is not only in your market. It's in emerging markets and other markets. Um, so the ability to tap into that talent, the, you know, the ideas, the experiences, the culture uh, of, of who you have access to, um, this is going to be a crucial component of anybody's business plan uh, in, in coming up with great ideas to solve new problems.
0: Thank you. Marianne Langois, what do you think? I'll give you, you to ten pay, seconds. You, you gotta pay attention
3: <laughs> Go to it, whether it's because you think you're going there or somebody's coming to look at you, you've got to pay attention to what's going on outside of your borders no matter what. It's just it's we truly are a global world now.
0: Good. Penny Stoker, agree, disagree totally agree okay that was easy <laughs> and That's we have easy. eight, second, have eight seconds eight seconds Keith you got eight seconds for penny yeah, go ahead I, Keith I totally
4: agree <laughs> if, you, if you hope to get some BC money or, or any kind of financing at all I, I think you, you you'd be limiting yourself extensively if you uh, if you didn't think globally
0: Terrific. Okay, it's time for my predictions. Wednesday, February 6th. I can't believe it's February next week. We're still on the HR topic. We're going to talk about talent analytics. Your employee is not just a number. you got to listen to that one. And February 13th, forgive me, but HR size matters. We're going to talk about HR at a Fortune 500 company versus HR at an SME. What's the difference? What's the common thread? Special thank yous to David Ledlow, Marion Langwa, Penny Stoker, Keith Strotman. Got that right. Shout-outs to Ankeri feel better sorry about your accident Malcolm Kimberlin Bonnie Tinder you're part of our team now the business channel team Ryan and Jeff and Jeff and Brad and everybody appreciate that and here's my closing thought what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off for SAP Coffee Break with Game Changers talk to you next week bye bye